How's it going, guys? Tyler Solberg with the Solberg Performance Training Podcast, and today is episode number 11. Like always on solo podcasts, I'm just going to go through questions I got through the email or through social media, and I'm just going to do my best to answer them to the best of my ability, and hopefully you can learn a little bit more about health and fitness, um, coaching, or you know any other life questions that seem to be popping up in the feed here. Okay, so I'm just going to get right into it. Um, the first one that I got, and this one I got from the podcast email, should trainers coach clients online without coaching people in person? Oh, it's a great question. Um, I really don't think that people should train people online before they've worked with clients in person. This is really just because you lack a little bit of depth of understanding how to coach people through basic movement patterns. You know, I look at it like this. I think about something like, you know, I have an online coaching group that I work with and I coach kettlebells. Um, in one of the groups. And I kind of think about it this way is, is our, our, you know, our kettlebell swings a great movement. Yes. Um, with great instruction. Um, and I kind of think about someone leading someone through a workout without first ever coaching through some of the common faults that happen in the swing. I'm not saying you can't do it, but it just sounds a little dangerous to me. Um, to be coaching clients online before you yourself have walked someone through and, and, not even just someone, a lot of people through um, the basics of coaching the movements that you're using in your online format. So I would say it's not a very good idea, um, but I'm not saying that people probably don't do it. I know this is kind of the age of the social media trainer and, and whatnot, so, you know, and everything that happened with COVID. So there's a lot of people that train remotely just because of those reasons. I don't want to judge anyone that trains people exclusively online or started exclusively online, but I, I would just say that they'll, they'll lack a little bit of the basic coaching knowledge that you need to really put people on the right path to their goals. Okay. So I see you post a lot of quotes from books you're reading. What are some of the good books or what are some good books that you're currently reading? It's a great question. And I do read a lot and I do do a lot of continuing education and, you know, I value education. I value other people's opinions. But if I'm being honest with you right now, I'm kind of going through a phase where I'm, um, I'm kind of removing myself from reading and consuming information for the, for the current time. Um, I think some of the times that, you know, we put so much value in other people's opinions and their stances on things. And I think they're important too, right? Like you should know the work of your peers. You should surround yourself with good information and people that know what they're doing. But I think some of the time is like throughout your coaching career, or throughout your, your career, whatever it is, you need to like pull yourself away from other people's opinions and kind of take a deep breath and go, what do, what do I really think? And I think I've been doing that big time with a lot of my coaching practices is, you know, I've been doing this just about 10 years now. You know, I respect the Dan Johns and the Brett Bartholomew's and, and all these guys and the John, you know, John Goodman that I had on. I respect all these guys' opinions, but I also, you know, I, I know I have a ton of depth of knowledge and, and, and coaching experience too. So I'm just trying to really, um, I'm trying to get myself away from other people's information so I can really ask myself, what do I believe and what did I, what have I gathered in my experience working with other people and working with myself? Um, what do I know to be true? And then I think, like I said, I think once I kind of work through that, then I'll, then I'll start picking up books again. Um, you know, if you want a really good one to read that I, 
um, good book to read that I recently read. Um, that would be um, It Takes What It Takes um, by Trevor Mowen. Um, that's a really great book. That'd be something to check out. And then his most recent one too. I can't remember what the name is it, but I'll, I'll put it in the link. Okay. Uh, next one. What is your favorite piece of equipment for each movement? Man, there's a lot of movements. So that's, that's quite the question. Um, but I'll look at it like this for the basics. You know, if we think about squat, you know, if, if we think about push, pull, squat, hinge, low to carry, you know, squat, or for for push, I would probably say I, I like using dumbbells for that. You know, a barbell is great. Um, pull, I really like using kettlebells for pulls. They just, they have a really good grip with the handle that is on it. Um, you know, squat would be, I really like a safety bar for the squat. I also really like doing double kettlebell front squats. Those are a great movement too. Um, and then hinge, I really like using the trap bar deadlift. You know, here's the thing. I was actually talking to a client about this the other day is, you know, there's nothing scientific about the size of Olympic plates, right? This is just something that for the, you know, the regulations of the sport, they decided on this size was going to be the size of the plates that we use. And so some people are obviously built better to lift from that height on where the bar is on the ground better than others. And I think... Some of the times we're like trying to make average adults who just want to get a little bit fitter. We're trying to teach them all these really technical techniques that, you know, might be cool to have. But, you know, I look at it this way is if I can get someone deadlifting and deadlifting more than they would by learning just a regular straight bar technique. And there's, you know, there's not as much technical aspect involved and it's a little bit more form fitted to, to people, right? Like you can be more in your base of support during a trap bar deadlift. I'm going to go with that, you know, almost a hundred percent of the time, unless that person's goal is to eventually move into Olympic lifting. I really like using uh, the trap bar for hip hinging because you can go heavy. You can pull that bar around wherever works for your base of support. And you're not, you know, you're not carving around the outside of your shins and it's not this super technical thing that needs to be taught and it's just a lot more natural for the body. So I like that. And then, uh, so push, pull, squat, hinge, loaded carry, loaded carry. I really love the trap bar for that too, when I'm going heavy. So if I'm in a max strength phase and I'm programming carries, um, I really like using the trap bar for that. Cause you can go extra heavy. You're gripping it with two hands. If I'm going, if I'm going any other kettlebell variations like waiters walks or, suitcase carry or rack carry I'm gonna go with um, I'm gonna go with kettlebells most of the time on that and then you know I, I guess the the sixth movement would be you know you're looking at single leg work or you're looking at groundwork kettlebells again I would say are probably the best for that in my opinion I like um, I like using kettlebells obviously for Turkish get-ups I like using them for um, for bear crawl drags and Single leg work, same thing. I really like them holding them in the, that front rack position, double kettlebell, rear foot elevated split squats, double kettlebell, lateral lunge, double kettlebell, reverse lunge. Um, I think they're really great for those movements, single arm, single leg movements too. Um, yeah, so that's my opinion on that. Obviously, like I said, it really depends on who you work with. And if I'm working with someone that's going to move into Olympic lifting and needs to do that to be good at their sport or 
you know, they're a power lift or anything like that, I might use different lifts. But if I'm thinking about just the average adult that's trying to get in good shape, I'm going to make sure that I'm picking piece of pieces of equipment that are form fitted to their body and are easy to lift and don't involve a lot of technicality to them because that's just going to be another thing that gets in the way of them showing up and them making progress. And I'm not here to do that. Can we always, you know, can we move them into barbell lifting and more technical lifts on the line? I think absolutely. But I think you've got to get people wins early on in their training so that they're like, oh yeah, you know, now that I'm I'm feeling good and fit about my body and I feel like my strength is where it is. Like now maybe I would like a little bit more of a technical lift. I don't think it really needs to come before that though. I think you need to get people winning early and often when you first start working with them. And then they'll, you know, then they'll be open to other things. I've had that, I guess, too, with um, clients that come in and, you know, they're really don't, they don't have a lot of experience with strength training. You know, you get them working with some dumbbells and kettlebells to start and it's a little bit more form fit to their body. They, they feel more comfortable doing it. They start feeling themselves and they're like, okay, yeah, yeah. You know what? I want to use the barbell now, you know, and because they've been doing a lot of the single arm, single leg variations, um, that, that, that you can use with kettlebells and dumbbells, they're probably going to be a lot better off and more symmetrical and prepared to use a barbell anyway. So I think in the logical scheme of things, that's really where I like to go. Um, Lots of safety bar, lots of trap bar, lots of kettlebells, lots of dumbbells in the beginning, lots of cables, um, because those are going to be the things that help clean up a lot of that person's asymmetries and then makes them a little bit more, gives them more balanced strength across their body. Okay. Oh, this one, I really like this one. So how do you balance positivity with honest feedback? I really like this question. So that's tough. You know, I deal with this the same way anyone else deals with this. I, I think we've all had like a friend that we want to help and we have to be really careful about balancing our our want to help them and then ending up being so hard on them that they either don't want to change out of spite of you or they're so embarrassed by your response that they like won't talk to you about the thing that you guys are talking about anymore. I run into this with coaching all the time. Like my heart will be in the right place. Like I really want to help someone, but I know that I know that there's like a certain bit of honesty that needs to be implemented when you're coaching people, right? Of like, I think it's good to have a balance between I accept you. I don't judge you. I'm here to support you no matter what happens. And, and then that other side of like, Hey dude, I love you. I support you. Get your fucking shit together. And I think both of those things are good and they're both valid. I think you just have to be really careful about being able to read the other person and what they respond to. And, and I know that. I mean, I have different clients that respond different ways. I got guys in my group where I can go, hey, shithead, you know, go get your workout in. What are you doing? And they respond to that. And, you know, they're absolutely, I'll go, like one of my buddies that's in one of the groups, we were just, we were giving them shit about, uh, hooking up with some chicks on Tinder or something like that. I'm like, man, if you lifted weights as much as you were on Tinder, you know, you'd be fucking shredded and whatever I said to him. And, and, you know, 30 minutes later, me and me and all my buddies that are in this group with him are laughing because he goes and gets a workout in, right? Some people respond to that and some people do not. I know that there's some people I work with that if I reached out to him, I'm like, Hey man, what are you doing? Like, does this even matter to you? are you just going to be hanging out in the bars every night? Or are we going to do this thing? I know that, that I would build a wall between me and them just based on where they're at in their life. So I, 
Yeah, that's a tough one. It's a, I don't think there's any right answer on how you balance positive feedback with honest feedback. I think you just got to know who can, who can take it and who can't and, and, uh, and go from there. I think, I think that's like a tough thing to, that's really best decided on, on an individual basis. Cause that's the way I do it too. And I just try to really get to know the person, how they respond to certain things. And then I can kind of make my decision there on what I want to say, um, and how I approach them. Because the last thing you want to do is you want, you don't want to build a wedge between yourself and the person you're trying to help by just being too over the top about being on their ass because then they're just going to cut you out of their life. Um, yeah, I think about this like when I would talk to my grandma during college, you know, she would have her opinions about certain things that I would do and they were like the clear right answer and like, yeah, you should drink less and you should go to class more and you should you should do all these things, but you know, she made she did a really great job of never being like if you don't change this, like I I I'm not talking to you anymore. Like obviously it doesn't matter. You know, you don't care about what I think in my opinions if you don't change and and I think you got to be really careful about doing that stuff too because you know, um, everybody, if given the opportunity, they'll change in their own time. And sometimes the timing's just not right. The best thing that you can do is just be there and supportive of the people that you work with and, and the people around you, right? Your friends and your family and just hope for the best for them and let them know where you stand. But you know, you stay in their corner or whatever they do. It's just how it works. Okay. Um, how do you decide to split for clients? Yeah, you know, if I'm talking about the general client that I work with online, right, which is like, you know, just adult recreational, maybe recreational athletes, um, I'm not, I don't believe in training elite athletes online. So even if there's people that like would come to me that are collegiate and pro athletes, unless they didn't have access or the money to train with someone in person, I really wouldn't take them because I feel like elite athletes that train, they need the camaraderie of people that do what they do, their peers, and then they also need top-level coaching in person. They, they need someone there that's going to watch and make sure they have excellent technique and really take care of them as an individual. I, I really believe in my coaching services, um, but I, I know that like that's not the place to do that. But I would say if we're talking about building a split um, for the average adult, right, me, you, most people that listen to this podcast, I think the best way to, to do most – um, you know, most phases and, you know, most of your training should be spent doing three days a week total body. I actually listened to a really great um, podcast that Joel Sanders was on. He wrote that article, Training for Noobs. It's a super awesome article. Joel's fucking awesome at what he does, works for Axos. Um, really familiar with his work. And, um, but he talks about the value of using total body training for clients because, yeah, well, we all like to get all of our workouts in in the week. Yeah, we would. But, you know, I think if we're all honest that the average person things come up and they miss a session here and there and right, they might have three, but they hit two. They might have three, but they hit one. And that stuff just happens. Um, but I think I think he made a really great point in the podcast of saying, look, man, if you miss a Monday, right, and you're on this upper lower split type of thing, you know, you miss Monday and say that's lower body. Or say that's say that yeah say that's lower body, and then you miss you miss Tuesday. Are you? Let, let me start over here. I'm getting jumbled. So let's say you have upper body on Monday and 
uh, Thursday, right? Let's say you skip one of those days. Okay, and then you have lower lower body on the other two days, right? I'm not just not getting balanced work across the week if I miss one of those days, right? That means I'm going to either have whatever day I miss, I'm either going to have two upper body sessions and one lower body or two lower body sessions and one upper body session. So I like the idea of just going, hey, man, let's go in there two, three days a week, four days a week maybe, um, and really kick it up and train hard. But if we miss one, especially when we're working with the general population, you're not setting yourself up to be completely unbalanced in your training splits. Um, so that that's going to be the most common approach. I think that there's definitely times in the year that you can kick it up and go four days a week. Um, I definitely, I actually probably have clients training four days a week. They do their three formal strength training days. And on that fourth day, we do kind of an active recovery day where it's like, Hey, go walk into the gym and do some sled pushes and pulls. Let's get in all, um, you know, all very concentric movements that won't make you really sore. So like I said, sled movements, weighted carry variations, bear crawl, like crawling variations, planking variation, things like that. Um, that aren't going to add a lot to soreness, but get you doing some good work that will, you know, obviously add to your capacity over time too, and, and increase your ability to recover between sessions. So, yeah, so I would say that most commonly I use a three-day total body split. Um, if you're looking at the way I build workouts, it's as simple as this. You know, I was talking about Joel from Axos. I build it very similar to them because that's, you know, I used to work for Mayo Clinic and that's, you know, that's the way we program too. But I basically go like this, start clients with a little bit of a warm-up. So pillar prep, movement prep, these are things that get the muscles activated. It could be um, working on soft tissue quality. Um, it could be working on warming up movements that we'll use in the session. So, you know, pillar prep, movement prep. And then I'll move into some total body power movement, right? With the average person, we're not doing as much as we do with an athlete, right, with plyos and Olympic lifting and stuff, but I do believe that the average person needs to make sure they're training total body power over time. That could be a medicine ball throw. That could be a kettlebell ballistic variation. That could be, it could be plyos, right? They could be jumping, doing broad jumps or high, you know, box jumps, things like that. But I want to build in something like that. And then I segue out of um, that total body power. So, right, we went pillar prep, movement prep, total body power. And then we move into the primary block. So this would be like your entree, so to speak, of like your bigger compound movements. Um, we just basically go upper body push, lower body pull. So that would look like, you know, if, we're just, if I'm just spitballing, it could go bench press, you know, lower body pull, RDL, do that in a superset. You could add a mobility movement in the rest period. You could also add a um, you know, core exercises, people would say in between. Um, and then you would just reverse it when you go to the next block for a secondary block, you just reverse it and you go, you know, I had upper body push, I go upper body pull, uh, lower body push. So I could do, you know, maybe a chin up and then I could pair that with a, you know, a double kettlebell goblet squat, pair that with a mobility or, or a core pillar exercise there. Um, and then I got my secondary block. From there, again, if we keep going here, then I got my anti-rotation or rotational block um, that I move into. I like working stability lifts on the cables or rotational medicine ball throws, um, something that's going to add either rotational elements or anti-rotational elements. I really believe in training that. They could be hollows on the floor. 
um, things like that. And then if the person has time and it makes sense for them, um, maybe a little conditioning at the end. For some people, this just might be a nice brisk walk. For some people, this might be kettlebell swings or a conditioning circuit. Um, for some people, it might be rowing. Some people, it might be the Versa climber, whatever. Um, but that's just kind of the basics of how I build a split for a client. Really, it's based on from from the structural standpoint, it's just really based on the equipment the, the client has and what they like to train with and how many days they want to train per week. And then how many blocks we have in it is really based on how long they want to train, right? Like, so if I got someone that's got 15 minutes, we focus more on the primary and secondary block, right? More the entree stuff that they need to get results. The longer you can train and the more you want to put in, the more blocks that we add, okay? That's kind of the simple gist of programming for me. Okay, how do you help clients purchase equipment? Yeah, um, so this is something I got into during COVID, you know, obviously when we were first just not working with clients in person. Um, I wanted to train clients, but I knew it was just like kind of a conflict of interest. We really didn't know what was going on with like how much contact I could have with them, what they had available to train with, when the gym was going to open back up. Um, obviously it, it, it really didn't end up opening up. Um, if you know where I used to train, they, they still might, I think they might actually be using it as a COVID testing facility still. But, um, but one of the things I wanted to do with clients was help them space plan, you know? So I, I was, as I was working with people, I'm like, I don't even know what these people have. I don't even know what their space looks like. Um, and it's a big part of what I do now in my online programming. I, I basically go, Hey, you know, if you're not going to be training in a gym and you train at home, I don't care what you train with, but I'd like you to show me your space that you're going to train in, um, the available space you have to train in, and then what equipment you have available to you. So I can, so I can help plan your workouts, number one, right? So if you have a small room, I'm not going to, you know, program broad jumps or anything like that or bear crawls or weighted carries, right? Because we don't have a lot of space, but also, you know, I want to be able to help you plan equipment over time so we can look at your space and if you want to get a pair of power blocks or a bench or add a rack to one of the, you know, if you have like a room downstairs or, you know, I wanted to be able to do that. So um, the way I help clients purchase equipment is I basically have them fill out their consultation. They tell me what they have. Um, and then when we talk in the, and when we talk in the onboarding call, I just basically go, you know, is there any piece of equipment if you're training at home? that you would like to train with that you don't currently have that you'd like to explore, right? Like, and then they just basically tell me, Hey, you know, I want to work with kettlebells. You know, what's your recommendations for that? Or, Hey, I want to work with dumbbells. You know, what would it, what would I need to get to do that? And then I walk through pricing options with them, right? Like I help them either go to rogue or Amazon, um, and then have them get equipment that fits, fits their budget and fits the space that they have. So that's kind of the basics of what I do for that. I really think that's a missing piece that's in most, you know, online coaching apps is they're, they're so hyper-focused on the programming, which like, again, I'm not trying to sound cocky, but it's like, that's the easiest part, man. Like if you train just about anything pretty hard for the general person and you do it with excellent technique and you got good coaching and people do it with consistently, like they're going to get good results, but you know, I really think that coaches need to focus more on like, what do we have available? It's cool that if on paper that this is the best lift you can do, but if they don't have the equipment, like, what do you, you know, what are we doing here? Um, so yeah, I think that's like one of the cool things that I have been including in my online training is just, Hey, I really believe in just going fuck perfect. 
you tell me what you have, you tell me how much you want to train, you tell me what equipment you have available, and then we'll make a plan. And then if you want to add to it over time, right, we can adjust your plan. That's what I'm there for. But until then, I don't want to hear about this is the perfect program, this is perfect exercise, this is perfect piece of equipment. It's, it's a load of shit. It's not true. And, you know, you got to understand, too, like my job inherently, right, like if I don't get people results, um, you know, I'm, I'm out of job, right? Like everybody, I like hanging out with people and I'm sure like people enjoy hanging out with me, but if I don't get them results, like what do you pay me for? So that's my thing is, you know, I'm not, I wouldn't, I wouldn't include those things if I didn't think that, you know, they would benefit people and get them results. Cause I think it's a really important part that's overlooked. Okay. Um, how do you differentiate yourself from other trainers? Man, I don't, I don't really know. I think, I think what you get with me is you get someone that like genuinely wants to be there, that genuinely, genuinely wants to see you succeed and put you on the path, your goals and, and someone that really has a good understanding for the process. And, you know, I guess I look at everybody that I work with as individuals. I don't give people cookie cutter programs. I don't try to pretend that just because your situation's like this, that I know everything about you. I do everything I can to, to get to know my clients and put them on the best path for what they tell me based on the questions I ask them that I find important to, um, you know, setting up their plan. But I would say, you know, maybe something that has nothing to do with the training part is like, I, you know, I've been through a lot of shit in my life. And I think like when people are going about picking someone to go down a path with, like I've been overweight, you know, I've like felt like shit about myself. Like I've had to work through, um, you know, body image and performance issues and things like that. And I've been injured. And, um, you know, I, I think I know that too, from like, um, growing up as a kid that didn't have a lot of money too. like, um, I know what it's like to feel like you're not, you know, I don't know if good enough would be the thing, but like you're feeling like you're judged for something about you that people can see and they know. And I think like I'm good to be that person to like um, walk them down the path to their goals because I get them, <clears throat> I get them to put on the tunnel vision and go like, fuck whatever you see on social media, fuck what everybody says around you. Like you're with me now, like I'll get you where you want to go. And I think that some trainers, I'm not saying that other trainers aren't there for the right reasons. They definitely are. There's a lot of amazing people that are in coaching because they love to help people. But my thing is like with, when you're with me, like, you know, like I'll fucking do anything for you. So yeah. So I guess, I don't know, like maybe, maybe that's the thing is that I inherently like want to get your results just as much as you do, if not in, in certain cases. And I'm not shitting on anyone, just maybe in some cases even more too, because um, I know what this exercise and, um, you know, nutrition coaching and mindset coaching and all this stuff can do for people. Cause I've seen it in myself and I've seen it in my friends that I work with around me. I, I literally look right, right across the board with everybody I work with. I'm like, wow, transformation, wow, trans. And that stuff's cool, but I'm talking about like, they're also like more resilient and like the way they approach things. And, you know, they feel like they're in a community of people now. Like I see, I look around at my friends, I'm like, dude, in a year from now, you know, I only started this, this, um, um, you know, my business about seven months ago and it's grown so much like, but in a year from now, like you're going to know who's with me. Like you're going to be able to look at it and see it visually. When you talk to them, they're going to be like nice, calm, um, you know, confident people. You're going to know who's with me. And I think, 
I think that would be my selling point is like, if you really want to do this and you say you want to do it, then like roll with people that are going to like have your back and you know, that are like you. Cause I'm not, I'm not, you know, I don't put myself on a pedestal of like, Oh, I was this crazy athlete and I'm the fitness guru. I don't do it. I go, I'm a fucking degenerate just like everybody else. <laughs> and if not worse, and like, if I can get results, you absolutely can, you know, with some good help and support. So yeah, I don't know if that even makes any sense, but that's how I feel. That is my answer to that question. <laughs> um, okay, let's look at the next one. How do you deal with clients who have an all-or-nothing approach to nutrition and exercise? That's a great question. Yeah, these are the people that go, you know, if, I eat, if I'm on a diet and I eat pizza, I, I'm off the train. And, you know, if I'm working out and I miss a day in the week, then I'm off the train um, or off the wagon, so to speak. And, you know, that's just not how it works, right? Like we're living, our, our journeys are super long, right? Like we're, we're living our life, right? You got to stop looking at diets and workout plans in terms of like day to day. You know, you just got to stop doing that. Like if I eat pizza, then I can't be healthy in other areas of my life. That's nonsense. Um, yeah, I mean, if you look at a lot of my work, like the, the thing is that that I drive home is like I do want to get people eating more balanced whole foods, minimally processed whole foods. But I also don't believe in taking away some of the the comfort foods and the pleasure foods that people like to eat because the thing is, is like I've seen this with myself and I've seen this with people I work with is like if you just consume some of those foods in reasonable amounts over time and you don't let one meal turn into a whole weekend, you're fine. Like it's okay to eat pizza. It's okay to eat pasta. It's okay to do all these things. You know, even like have a night out of drinks, it's fine. But like when it becomes the most consistent consumption in your life, right? You spend more nights in the bar than you do in the weight room or like taking care of yourself and you you eat more processed food than you eat whole foods. Yes. Like you are not going to move the dial like that, that needle in the right direction. Um, so I would say that when I work with people that have all or nothing approaches, I can think of one client I had a call with the other day. They're just like, you know, I'm just so mad at myself for what I did. I slipped up and I hate, I hate that term. I slipped up like, like you, like you're off track, man. Cause like you, you ate one thing, like you're a human. Like I want you to like, I don't want this to be stressful on you. I want it to like work within the context of your life. But like, my thing is like, just because you have a beer doesn't mean you can't get your workouts in for the week. And just because you have a slice of pizza doesn't mean you can't have a salad at some of the other meals. And just, um, I think I, the, the thing I do to work with those all or nothing approaches, um, is just, is give them a little leeway and just show them like, look, you're getting results and you're not perfect, right? There is no perfect program. There is no perfect diet. So what are we, why are we after that? Um, And some of that is stuff that people have to learn on their own, right? Like some people just have different types of mentalities based on their backgrounds, based on their experiences. Some people honestly, you know, and not in a mean way, just are less resilient, right? Like when something bad happens, are you the person that goes like, all right, I'm going to do something about this. I'm going to pick myself up and, and go get some shit done. Or are you the person that goes like, oh, poor me. Oh, woe is me. You know, I always fuck up. I always drop it. Drop it. None of that victim mentality stuff ever helped anyone. And I'm not saying that people don't wrong you and things don't happen, but you know, that's, 
that's just life, right? You're not going to be perfect. So don't expect that of yourself. Just do the best you can. And if you honestly know to yourself that you gave the best effort you could, then you have nothing to feel bad about. There's nothing to shame yourself about when you make some decisions that aren't conducive of your goals. It's not, it's not a big deal. All right. Let's look at these questions and see what we got here. How do you deal with clients that don't get their workouts in? I beat them. No, I'm just kidding. I No, I mean, I just try to have empathy for them because I, I do, you know, going back to what I was talking about with my grandma, I, dude, this, this poor lady, she just, she's the sweetest person in my life. And I remember during college, I was, you know, I was just drinking a ton and, you know, I just, Anytime I get on the phone with her, it's just like all I was talking about was I went out and did this stupid thing when I was drinking and blah, blah, and I skipped class. And, and uh, you know, she she just, she would listen and you could tell she like disagreed, but she like would never judge me. And then also the same thing is too, is like she, she's basically called me every day since I graduated high school or not every day, um, like once a week since I graduated high school, whether I answer or not. And there were points that and points and periods in my life, especially in college, when I wasn't feeling good about what I was doing with myself, where I just didn't respond. She was one of the most important people in my life, and I just wouldn't call her back because I had so much anxiety about my decisions that I was making that I just couldn't bring myself to do it. And I think, you know, that's the thing that we got to think about when we're, when we're dealing with clients that have a hard time making changes at the beginning. A lot of the time that you know, they don't want to jump in a call and they don't want to get a workout in and they don't want to do these things because they're embarrassed of their situation. They feel like they're letting people down. Like, I didn't want to get on the phone with my grandma um, because I, I did. I just felt like, what did I have to share with her? Um, you That just, it, it kind of starts them out and you're like, man, like, what am I going to do? I'm going to talk to her about how, I, you know, I, I blacked out and bought a bunch of shots and spent too much money and I can't pay my rent now or what. Like, I, I just got to a point where I was just like, I'm not going to, you know, I didn't feel comfortable getting on the phone with her because I was just so upset with my decisions I was making and I didn't want to disappoint her. But I look at clients that I work with like that a lot. And I don't know, like maybe I could be giving people too much benefit of the doubt. You know, some people I'm sure definitely, you know, might take advantage of that. But I, I try to just be there. If you're on the if you're on my roster and you are paying for training with me, you could sign up for three months and not show up to a single call and you could not do a single workout. And I'm still going to be there for you when the time comes. You know, those same people that might not show up or, or schedule calls, they still get an auto message every Monday. Hey, whenever you're ready to talk, man, I'm here. And I don't want to, and like I said earlier, you don't want to push those people too hard, right? Because then you might, you know, you might lose them. So my thing is you can do what you can do. Like when, when you're working with clients, like, I, I encourage people and I'll give them a little nudge. Hey, get your workout in, you know, let me know how you like it. I built this just for you. And, you know, I really am looking forward to our call and I'm really looking forward to supporting you. But I don't know, man, I think based on my experience with my grandma and how she, <clears throat> it's like how she dealt with me is like, it's really hard for me to like, it's really hard for me to not, it's really hard for me to like, um, give up on people, I guess. So yeah, that's how I handle it. And like I said, you know, I'm sure there are people that take advantage of it and whatever, but I don't give a shit because that's, I just know it's the right thing. So that's where I come from. Okay. So let's look at a couple other ones. Um, 
Okay. I really like the Dinah Dash story you shared in the last podcast. Do you have any other funny stories you have with your friends? Oh, yeah, man, dude. I got plenty. You know, the, th- the thing that's so funny about this is like, I, I said this in another podcast, I'm simultaneously two different people, and in a good way. Like, I love, I want to be the guy that is there to go to bat, support my friends, and help them be healthy, and help them live their best life, and I want them to be happy and confident and feel good about themselves. But, oh man, dude, if I, I'd be lying if I didn't say I was this complete degenerate when I was a kid, especially in college, uh, uh, most of it, and then... You know, so a lot of crazy, funny shit happened. You want to know a funny story? Um, I can actually think about when I was doing my internship in Point over the summer. And by the way, shout out to Stevens Point, man. Um, just all the, the crazy people that I met there when I was on that internship that a lot of people just thought I was going to school there. Um, I met so many people. But a lot of my good, my good adult friends, a lot of people that I train, um, I met them there. So... Shout out to them, but um, yeah, one day I was I was hanging out with my buddy Tim, and we were hanging out with two of our other girlfriends, friends are girls, I guess to clarify that. Um, we were hanging out at his house, and he lived by a rail yard, and you know, we had a few drinks, it turns into a few more, and then obviously right, and then it's like three in the morning, and you know, he had a beard, 30, right? Um but we had always talked about, because there was this train yard by his place, we always talked about, like, one of these fucking days, dude, I'm, we're jumping on a train. And and we were, we were adamant about it, and we had had enough liquid courage that night that we went, you know what, I'm jumping on this damn train. Like, screw it. So my buddy Tim just, uh, just kicks these girls the keys and goes, all right, man, like, I don't know, like, when we get on this train, I don't know if we're going to be able to get off. Like, wherever we end up, just pick us up, please. <laughs> like I'll pay you gas. Here's my wallet, blah, blah, but we're getting on this damn train. And, uh, so, you know, <laughs> we go and jump over the fence of this rail railroad and try to get on a, try to get on a cart. Someone finds us. We have to run away. We're in all black by the way. So we just dress up in like black hoodies and, you know, black sweatpants. We're all like thugged out and stuff like, um, you know, going to jump on this train, all incognito and whatnot, but try to get on a boxcar. Someone sees us, hey, get, you know, get out of here. Okay, jump off, run away. Try to get on another one. Hey, get out of here, run away. And I'm like, we're looking at each other like, dude, we're never going to be able to get on one of these cars. And I was like, no, screw it. We're going to get on this next one. I was like, follow me. We're going to go on top. So we jump on the train, climb up it. We're on top. I can see the guy like walking around with a flashlight. They can't find us. And I can hear the clicking to kind of, you know, like when a train speeds up and you hear, as the speed's increasing, I'm like, dude, we're going to get out of here. This is awesome. And uh, so we finally get out of that rail yard and the speed of the train picks up, right? Obviously, I mean, this thing's going like 80 miles an hour. I don't know. I mean, like I should probably ask my friend who works as a conductor, but yeah, I mean, this thing's cruising and we're having the time of our life. We put, you know, a couple beers in our pockets. We got our, we got our phones. Uh, they're still alive at the time. So we're playing night train by um, Jason L. Dean and we're singing along. We just keep playing on repeat. So just, just having the time of our life. Right. Until both of our phones die. Right. Can't play any more music. Run out of beer. Shit. You know, it turns out, you know, a couple hours pass. I'm like, this kind of sucks now. Like this isn't even, this was funny initially, but now how the hell are we going to get off this train? This sucks. Um, so <laughs> We're sitting on the back of the train and we're like, we're just going to go to sleep for a little bit. And it's kind of messed up we did it because if I think about it, we probably could have like rolled 
off the train and died because we we're like sitting in this little we're we're sleeping on this little area um between the rail cars um but you could literally stick your hand down and you'd be touching the rail track um and the ground that you're passing but anyways so we sleep for a little bit clearly i'm doing this podcast so i don't die right so we wake up and it's it's light out now so we we jump on this train at night we wake up it's light out and it's starting to slow down and we're in the middle of nowhere. I'm looking around like it's all just farmland and whatever. And I'm like, Hey Tim, if we're going to get off this damn train, we're going to do it now because otherwise it's going to speed back up. It's probably still going like 25 miles an hour, but it feels drastically different than before. So, you know, there's a little, like there's a little hill off the side of the, um, off the side of the, the train. So I'm like, Hey man, screw it. And I just jump off. And then I'm like, I just give give him the decision, right? Either jump off or no, he jumps off. Um, we roll down the, the ravine, <laughs> crawl back up it. And, uh, we pop out, there's a highway and I'm like, fuck man, like both of our phones are dead. What are we going to do here? And, uh, I see a farm and I'm like, you know what? Screw it. Like we already did all this stuff. Like we need to get out of here. So I walk across, um, walk across the highway and I walk up to a farm and I just, I don't know where to go because all of our, our phones are dead. We don't know where we are. So we walk out and I walk up to this guy. And he's just tending his farm at like six in the morning. He's just this old farmer dude. And <laughs> and one, one of my, well, the buddy I'm with, by the way, was going to get, I think he was either going to get deployed or something. Like he was going to go, he was getting activated. He's in the army. And so we were just trying to have like one little last bit of fun before he went and did that. You know, he's one of my good buddies and. Um, walk up and I go, Hey man, you know, me and my buddy wanted to have a little fun before he got deployed, jumped on this fucking train last night. Really, you know, really sorry to bother you this morning, but you know, we're going to, where are we, you know, number one, and then can we use your phone? He goes, Hey man, you know, I served, I served in the, the Marines for blah, blah, you know, I will do any, I'll do anything for this guy, you know, like where you need to go. And we're like, okay, like, that's great. I'm like, well, where are we? And he's like, you're in Appleton. I'm like, holy shit. You know, we took this train quite a ways. And all I could think of was like, I didn't know where to go, but I'm like, I don't know, Appleton Mall, right? Like they got mall chargers there or something. And so he brings us over to the Appleton Mall. We're there. It's the morning. We're dead tired. We haven't really slept all night. And we're like charging our phones. There's mall walkers in there. We're in all black that we're all like crusted in like train dust and stuff we look like homeless guys right we we look homeless and we keep falling asleep at the benches in the food court while we're waiting for our phones to charge so finally these guys are like hey you can't sleep in here you gotta leave and we're like oh shit so like oh man this sucks but we got a little charge on the phone so it's like okay we can call them to pick us up so we call these girls and they're like yeah we've been waiting for you to call we're coming you know we told them where we were they're like we're on our way i'm like dude i am so hungry and they had you know we threw them our wallets right before we left because we're like, you know, wherever we end up, you know, use our money to pick us up, gas money, whatever. And I look across and I just see this hotel and I'm like, follow me, man. <laughs> we just start laughing. He's like, what are we doing? I'm like, I'm so hungry, man. We're just going to act like we stayed at this hotel and eat some continental breakfast. Go in there. We're sitting in the, we're sitting in a little cafe area, right? We're just dirty as hell. And we sit down. I got like a, a bowl of fruity pebbles, and he's got some cereal. We're eating, and we're eating really fast, you know, because we're super hungry. We haven't ate, and we haven't slept. And I hear this little girl. She, she was probably more like couldn't be older than like 
five or six years old. She goes, I just hear like nudge your dad and go, hey, daddy, are they homeless? <laughs> and we're just like, oh, my God, we got to get the hell out of here. Um, so, yeah, it was good. They eventually ended up picking us up. Uh, miserably tired for the next couple of days after it. But, you know, as, as like an adult now, something I'm completely, you know, so glad I did with my buddies is like any of these other stupid stories that I'm sure I'll tell you over the course of the podcast. But that's my, uh, that's my night train story. And um, yeah, I probably have plenty more for you. So if you guys keep asking questions about me and my friend's stories, I'll try to keep them legal. I don't, well, I guess that's probably not legal jumping on the train, but you get what I'm saying. Um, but yeah, I want to thank you guys for listening again to the podcast. Um, I kind of put off doing this for a little bit I was in a good way, right? Like I've, I've started to get really busy in my business and I've been onboarding like a good three or four clients every week and it's good. It's, um, business is going good. Things are growing. Um, clients are getting great testimonials, building these good communities with all my friends that I really care about and people I really want to help. Um, but yeah, if you're wondering why it, it took me two weeks to put out a podcast instead of the weekly one, that's why. Um, just trying to balance out some of the new um, demand of new clients. And, you know, I've, I've never owned my own um, independent business before, so I'm just learning as I go, I guess. But I want to thank everybody that's listening um, for supporting me, whether you're a client or you're a friend or family, um, for taking the time to listen to this and if you coach with me, thank you for, you know, investing your money in me to help you get to your goals and, and, uh, you know, being with me along on my journey too. I really love you guys and I really appreciate you. And, um, I hope you continue to tune in, shoot me your questions on social media or the podcast email. If you want to have your question answered on the podcast, All right? You guys take care and have a great day.